くらいの距離を突き歩いたらあとどれくらいの寒い夜を重ねたらあとどれくらいのさよならを流したらまぶたの奥の泉が枯れ果てるとか「きっと続くだろうそう思ってた空洞を満たして溢れてしまうほどのこの気持ちはなんだ」「単純だよ毎朝の愛を映画みたいに青い夏の海を見て遠いところで今正直今と今重なってくフィルムのように何回も通り直した」You're listening to the Talk of Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo! And today's episode is our part two of our fall 2020 anime season reviews. We're going to dive through some shows of the fall 2020 season, let you guys know our thoughts on them. But yeah, we kind of were going to just, we weren't going to do a part three of the reviews, but unfortunately, we're just getting way too far behind on everything else. We have deliberations that we still have to do. Then we have to get into the winter 2021 season. We're already having to start watching that stuff. So, unfortunately, that big old list of stuff that we were going to do for part three, some of them I think we're still going to end up doing as, like, you know, small reviews later. But as an entire podcast episode, I think it's going to have to wait. So, unfortunate, but because I, I know I really wanted to watch Moriarty. It sounds like that one turned out to be really good. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Sorry, Chris. there was a couple of them. There was a couple of them that are on the list that I wanted to watch as well. So, I it, it it's it's one of those we it weighing in the balance and hey it, we we want to get going on the new stuff and and keep going piling through the 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 stuff that we got going. Yeah, but yeah, this episode we're going to be doing Don Machi three Tony Kawa over the moon for you the gymnastic samurai Akadama Drive our last crusade or the rise of the new world warlords of Sigdrifa I'm standing on a million lives dropout idol fruit tart Dugaza I tried to ask while kowtowing and Grand Blues so if your if your title was not listed I apologize dearly I'm sure there's somebody out there that's mad. <laughs> Somebody hates it. <laughs> Somebody's like, you you didn't watch my chef show. But yeah, it is what it is. So yeah, without further ado, I guess we should jump right into it. Uh, first, we've actually, uh, just uh, full disclosure, we've recorded like most of these reviews already. And uh, power outage and audacity failing to recover happened. So it, it, it might be a little awkward re-reviewing this stuff. But hey, we've done this before. We could do this again. We could We could handle this. We're big adults. <laughs> it's not the it's not the first time we've had to re re record. It's just not the third time either. <laughs> Back when we first started, there was times where we had to re record like 
three or four times. So, yeah. Audio glitches. But yeah, our first one we have is, is it wrong to try to pick girls in a dungeon season three or dungeon ni dai wo motemeru no wa machigateru daro ka three? This one's streamed on Crunchyroll around for thir- or 12 episodes. The studio is JC Staff, the source of the light novel, and the genres are action, adventure, comedy, romance, fantasy. And for those that don't uh, know what Don Machi or Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in Dungeons is, it essentially takes place in a town that surrounds a dungeon. And the gods and goddesses of this world decided to come down onto the surface to kind of dwell with the humans. And they had to give up their powers. And each of these gods and goddesses decided to form familias, which is essentially is where they basically form a guild of, of humans that kind of fight with them. And those humans then get imbued with strength that they can go and fight in the dungeons and then come back. And they have like a cool little kind of RPG element to it. But it's com- not it's not an isekai, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but yeah, it follows Belle, who is at the beginning the only member of the Hestia family. And... He kind of slowly gets stronger and stronger and builds his harem of of of, of friends. <laughs> and with this particular season, I guess the main unique element to it is that they decided to bring in a new character that Belle runs into in the dungeon, which is Winnie, or they name a Winnie, her Winnie. And Winnie is actually a monster that has actually gained intelligence so she's able to talk and everything and so the new element to this particular episode or this season was the idea that now they're running into monsters that actually have you know the ability to talk and stuff and well wear armor they have intelligence and i guess the other element to the story is they included some other faction that uh apparently is building a labyrinth that is parallel to the current dungeon and all the stuff behind that so yeah, your your thoughts on Danmachi three? Oh, okay. So, the the pretty much where I stand on this season is kind of a twofold. I I, I really love love this story. I I thought that it was really interesting to see you know the the concept of if you if your your quote unquote enemy is is relatable can you can you really start killing them in indiscriminately or something like that so there there was this constant um going back and forth between can we still go into the into the dungeon knowing full well that these 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 creatures have humanity um and so there was that that constant going back and forth as far as bell was concerned the then the, the the on the same token you were you were battling against this idea of um not everybody else is accepting the idea of um basically upending the entire system is, is really what it came down to and so it, i i did love that that concept and and but at the same time i started started getting this kind of inkling in the back of my mind maybe it was something in as far as a discussion between me and Andrew at the very beginning of this, where there was something about the remembering that at the very beginning of this show, we were brought into this idea of an RPG that was kind of more realistic. 
for lack of a better term. It, what if the fantasy world was actually a um, RPG? And that was the box that was sold to us. And while I still love the stories, I loved uh, Aiz's story. I loved uh, Lily's story. I loved uh, Haruhime's story last season. I Every story that they've given me has been fantastic. But when I go back to the very beginning, I realize very quickly that this is not the story that I was originally sold. And it's it, I, I get into this little frustration of I love this this show because every time I get it and, – and this is what's going to probably end up being in the future is every time I get a new story from this, uh, this creator, I'm going to love it. But when it comes down to it, it's not the original story that I was sold, and I'm very frustrated in that respect. Yeah, I guess it's not really the – I would agree with you, but I would kind of put it in the idea that it's not so much it's not what we were sold because it that's it's 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 in, it's in the title. <laughs> Every season he has to find and pick up a girl. Every season there is a girl that he has to pick up. But technically, with that concept, it's more of the hook is no longer there. The hook was yeah. Every time Bell went and trained, he would come back and Hestia would would open the graph on his back. And pull out stats that he's gaining, and you're like, holy crap, he just got this. He's gotten this much stronger. Oh, crap, he's got fireball now. He's getting stronger. There's a there's an actual sense of, like, Bell is getting stronger, and what new cool thing is he going to do? But ever since that first season, it's literally just, here's new girl, here's new familia. Which I think that's, like, the, the thing that... When you when you say the idea of you know every uh, story ends up being something you really enjoy, it's the same with me. It's just it's because one of the hooks at the beginning as well was the idea of the familias, and it seems like every season they are at least attempting to explore a different familia. Even though technically this is the first time I think they haven't really, uh, besides uh, well no they they technically got into uh, Echolos and his familia technically, but. Every season they technically get into a familia, which familias were one of the reasons that I enjoyed it. Unfortunately, the thing that kind of frustrates me is that it seems like it's trying more and more with every with every kind of conflict that Bell runs into. It's more and more making me dislike all the familias except for Hestias because everybody is against Bell. So it's like they introduce this new idea and say this is morally wrong to not acknowledge this. And then it's going, by the way, all the familias don't acknowledge this. <laughs> it's like, because you guys don't tell them. <laughs> but yeah, it, that that's kind of one of the biggest frustrations I have is like, I I hate that I don't like these characters anymore just because of you're, you're making them look bad. And it was the same issue with uh, Prior where you had everybody was, was um, turned against Hestia's family and everybody was attacking them. And they're doing it again this season, so... Yeah, I looking back on it now, I'm kind of uh a little bit I guess and 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 it, this is something that's probably going to continue on. Like I I'm assuming in the stories to come, they will continue to hit on this idea that there is a pack of monsters that have intelligence in the dungeon. I don't think this is going to be the only time we talk about this. And so I'm sure they'll eventually get into more morality uh discussions about that particular topic going forward but currently 
yeah, technically Bell did question it, but everybody else never – there never really was a deep discussion about what are we going to do from this point on? What if if this does become public? They They technically didn't – they wanted to squash it because of it. Like we can't have this exist, but it never seemed like it, they had an actual sit down to discuss the the issues that this would cause. It was mainly just Bell being conflicted by this and everybody else saying you need to get rid of this girl because if somebody finds out, I mean, they're going to turn on our on our familia. It just this can't be in the city kind of thing. So yeah, it it brought up a lot of good questions, but I don't think they've really had time to really dive into it and 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 show the ramifications of it. What I would assume it's going to end up being, and it kind of technically is as, as at that point, is that there's a new, there's basically a new faction. There's a new faction of, there's the monsters, there's the familias, and then there's the monsters with intelligence. So they're probably going to just going to have to stay on the side and hide, basically. Yeah, it's just a new, a, a new familia. Yeah, it's essentially. just the, this, <laughs> the yeah, it, it's just, it's just this familia is inside the dungeon. It's really what it comes down to. It, the the Fells familia. Yeah, Fells is so cool this season. Yeah, I I I did like um, the the getting into the um, uh, the guildmaster and 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 Fells and all that stuff. That was there's always when 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 they get into a lot of these other other groups. It's 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 always fascinating. I. It, it, it's just like uh, Ikelos. I, 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 while I hated him and uh, I, I, I liked him at the same time. This, this, he, he's similar to Hermes in a way where he's like, uh, my, my, my familia is doing their own thing. I can't. I'm not going to stop them from doing something because it's interesting. And, and, and master. I'm, yeah. It's 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 one of those. I, I, while I absolutely despise Dix and what he was doing, that's that's aside from the point. I mean, you're 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 effectively talking about trafficking, and it it was so it was it was really um, interesting to see them kind of in, end up facing that and how they were going to deal with that. Um, it it it's one of those things. It's like how. What the what this this writer has a knack for is is finding things that in 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 strange ways you can reflect it in real life and and at the same time still see the um, the interesting nature he 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 approaches these ideas in in ways that are um, thought provoking in a lot of ways and that's one of the main reasons why I do like this show in a lot of ways. Yeah, I agree. I, I guess the other interesting thing with that was the season, like I said, was was definitely uh, dicks and and all that kind of stuff that was being done on the side. And I I don't know what that's going to mean for the future of the series, other than maybe a possibly another section they can kind of dive into. Uh, granted, technically story wise, I don't know that it would really have much to it besides the fact that there's a new place to get into the dungeon. <laughs> but yeah, it was. It was all right in the end. I, w- I was a little bit frustrated at the early parts of it just because, yeah, it kind of gave off a sense of all it really was was just the an idea of human trafficking monster version. But then it kind of evolved to something else of this idea of this obsession that they had in their blood that they had to do this one thing. But 
at least at least with Dix, they actually you know reintroduce the stat system that we seem we feel like they've completely forgotten at this point of like. Well, technically, with with Haruhime's story, the idea was that she was a sacrifice in order to level people up or force a level up. So I guess technically with that, they did reintroduce the idea of the stat system. But it always feels like, yeah, every now and then, at least once a season, we have this moment of like, oh, yeah, that's right. They have levels and stats, huh? (laughs) And and Dix was like that, like, oh, yeah, that still exists. Okay, cool. The, the the cool little hook that we liked from the first season is still there in some way. And, and as, as well as the magic weapons, we were kind of... We discussed before the idea of, like... It, it's sad that they don't have a lot of these integral, uh, I guess, systems that they have introduced into this world actually be a part of it. Like, with Welf, he kind of disappears for a while and makes magic weapons and then shows up out of nowhere to use a couple of them. And it's like, why don't you show us Welf, like, crafting them and failing and what's what's involved with it? We were we were asking the question of, like, is any if anybody has read the light novel, do they actually – is this that the ad- adaptation is ignoring it? Do they still have segments in the light novel where Hestia pulls stats from Bell? Do they have segments in the in the light novel where you would see Welf do that kind of stuff, blacksmithing, or is it just that, that the adaptation is just removing it because they feel like it's gonna you know mess up the pacing? So if anybody is is reading the light novel, definitely let us know if is it true one to one or is there a lot of that stuff being pulled out of it? I'm really curious. But yeah, other than that, I, a fantastic fight scene at the end. I, I love the fight with the Minotaur. That was. That was epic. I, I so much that we were doing a Dungeon and Dragons game where we went into the labyrinth, and one of the one of the 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 team members was really desperate to find a Minotaur in the labyrinth because they're always in the labyrinth. And uh, so I, when I when that episode aired, I had to kind of take him off the side and say, hey, "Look, check out this Minotaur fight. It's really cool." <laughs> so that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, over overall a good season. Um, I, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm kind of with Chris on the idea that I, I'm frustrated by the fact that there's a lot of cool things in this series that it seems like the writer forgets. Like it seems like he has a really hard issue with focusing on things and not just leaving things behind. Like he, he he's he's like the the dog that's like ball 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 and just runs off in random directions rather than kind of st- you know sitting still and looking at the ball. <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. But shiny other than that, syndrome. My, yeah, shiny otter syndrome. <laughs> but other than that factor, yeah, I agree. It's like every time he gets a story that he wants to go. I mean, yeah, people. I mean, it's 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 well known that Andrew had issues with Sword Artoria. But I mean, grand with Sword Artoria, it was technically a lot of my frustration was in the idea that it was a repeated story, just from a different angle. And I, I technically didn't like the main character. I think that was what my biggest frustration was. I, I forget, but but he, all the stories he comes up with are always great in the end. So I'm I'm curious to see where this goes going forward. Um, hopefully, we continue to get adaptations. It's it's surprising enough that we've had technically four seasons at this point. So Hermes upset me a little this season, though. I'm not liking Hermes anymore. <laughs> He wanted to sacrifice them. 
I guess that's technically spoilers. I didn't say too much. I'll keep I'll keep my mouth shut at this point. But yeah. Anything additional? No. I think we got it pretty good. No. We were joking about the fact that it's you have to acknowledge the fact that you know Winne was chosen to be designed the way that she was in order to basically trigger trigger the side of us that would want to protect. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying think about what if she was actually just a monster? You know the writer specifically chose to make her so cute and lolly that it would instantly trigger our desires to protect. When if it was just like the f- true Lamia form that she is, I don't know that this story would play out the same way. <laughs> like she, like Bell bringing up this gigantic snake Lamia thing into this guild, everybody would be like, "What the hell? Get that thing out of here! What the hell are you doing, Bell? No, no, she talks. Don't worry, <laughs> she's kawaii." <laughs> and then she blushes. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's like it, and I guess it technically plays back to that whole idea of when Shelter came out. Like there was people that were writing about like, oh, the only reason this is such a tragic story to people is because she's so cute and small. It's like, well, yeah, it 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 technically triggers in everybody the idea of a, like a like a child that you want to protect, and that was what Winne was when he first meets her. She is this child that he wants to protect. She is the she is the my first baby for non Danmachi. Yes, I almost forgot to mention that. <laughs> Wene was the my first baby for Danmachi series, which Andrew always likes to point out the my first baby arc that is Wene. So we had, we had I you Bell know Daddy. I almost I almost got away with not having you talk about the my first baby <laughs> thing because the first recording of this I we actually got away with it. We That's did not have Andrew do a rant on it. I'm and glad since the we power had to went re-record, out. we ended up having it. Maybe that was divine intervention. <laughs> Andrew, you didn't talk about the my first baby arc that every harem has to have and Don Machi finally had theirs. Oh, I'm glad I I'm glad I got that out there. I'm glad I got that out there. I feel complete, Chris. But anyways, and that's, watch uh, now the recording will be perfect from now on, and you won't have to worry about it. Everything else everything is, is shot right. because none of our none of our other jokes are going to be original, and so we're not going to have as much fun. But Andrew got his my first uh, uh, baby arc complaint in, so therefore it's going to be perfect. Did I say it was a complaint? <laughs> Just an observation. <laughs> Just an observation that all harems have to have a My First Baby arc. The the ability to have a child in the scenario of the main protagonist harem without them actually, you know, having to do things that normal people do that harem people don't seem to understand how to do because they're all ditherers and don't know how to function that way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the idol you cannot touch your waifu syndrome. But yeah, is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon season three? Um, I still don't understand the love of ice, but anybody that has ice as their waifu, it's okay. You are, I'm. I perfectly support you. It's okay. What's wrong with ice? I I still don't get your 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 hatred for Kuderis. I don't. I don't hate her. 
You're you're misconstruing me, and <laughs> no, now everybody's gonna think I, that I hate her because I you placed, said that I hate I her. Placed, I placed it outside of just ice. You don't like Cuderes. I never understood it. I think Cuderes are one of the greatest. Well, it's just as boring to me. That's, I mean, that's as simple as that. Cuderes always seem boring to me. They just seem so blank mm-hmm. and nothing to them. And and it's frustrating because, like I said before, I, with eyes, they they constantly make her into the enemy. And not just a rival. Like at the very beginning, she was a rival, and now, con- now constantly, she is like a roadblock for him. And granted, technically, they eventually get to the point where she goes, "Oh, I acknowledge what you're doing, Bell." It still doesn't make it right. The idea that, like, again, you're you're wanting to protect Winnie, and now you have Eyes being technically the enemy here. So it's it's a it's a logic do something over... with her besides throwing her in front of Bell every two seconds. <laughs> Please. It's 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 a logic over emotion is all that the Kudaris are is is really what it comes down to. She kicks a lot of butt this season though. Yep. But yeah. Don Machi three. Hope you guys are enjoying it. Next one we have like, is like Tony I said before. Like I said before, Kudaris are pretty much the opposite of a Sundere is where it's emotion over logic the Kudaris are logic over emotion. If you specifically point out those two traits, yeah, I would say that. But no, I would not say that they are <laughs> an opposite to Sundere. An opposite to Sundere would be like, uh, was it? Um, there's one that's like super hyper love. Uh, Dede Dede. Dede Dede. Yeah. Well, technically, Dede Dede is not like love than hate. I yeah. guess that would be Yandere. <laughs> yep. Uh, Tony Kawa, over the moon for you, or Tony Kaku Kawaii. This one is streaming on Crunchyroll for 12 episodes. The studio is Seven Arts. The source is a manga. The genres are comedy, romance, shonen. And the creator behind this one was Kinjiro Hata, who did Hayate the Combat Butler. And essentially follows a guy named Nasa, who is, I mean, by his name, which apparently he was named after NASA, or was it a mistake? No, they, no, they named him NASA as that's after just this what... space group, right? No, they they it's it's something having to do with the stars, but everybody because of the way that the wording is, um, everybody automatically assumes it it has it's to based do with that, NASA. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's like trying really hard to get really good grades so that he can, you know, achieve great things in order to kind of, I guess, supersede his name. Um, at some point, he is walking home from school and he runs into a girl named Sukasa. And he tries to go talk to her, gets hit by a truck, nearly dies, but in stumbling and broken and everything, he chases her down because he wants to confess his love to her. And then when he does, she says, I'll go on a date with you, but only if we get married. Cut forward a little bit of time after he passes out from, like, significant blood loss and broken legs that I don't know how you run on. (laughs) He, He, uh... She ends up at his front door and like, okay, we're getting married, right? Here's the documentation. Let's go get married. And then from then on, it's uh, them being married. Yeah. So your thoughts on Tony Kawa over the moon for you? I there there there's a lot of things that I do enjoy about this uh, this show. I I I love the absolutely adorable, cute moments where uh, Nasa and Tsukasa they they just get these really cute. Um, I, I I adore you for this moment, or I adore the you for this. 
so they they do have quite a few of those um it, it does get kind of annoying to hear nasa refer to sukasa as the most cutest thing ever it, that that does get old after a while but it does not detract from their heartwarming sweet and mo- tender moments um the other thing that I do absolutely love about this show is um, they they introduce the little sister Chitose. Now Chitose is uh, this spoiled rich girl, always getting her way, and she for whatever reason cannot stand Nasa having um, uh, Sukasa, and this absolutely drives her nuts. And <laughs> the. She is, of course, naturally one of those really loud, obnoxious uh, Sundetta types that just screams and yells at, at everything. And you would think automatically that this would get annoying really fast. But strangely, she ends up becoming this weird um, – where Sukasa is normally kind of the, the straight man in the story – Chitose kind of becomes the the offset to Sakasa in a, in a lot of ways, and it really does kind of liven up the show a lot, and and it, and it becomes a, a a much more enduring show because of the addition of uh, her and her two mates. So I really did uh, it, it in the second half. This show really took off for me, and I really really uh, enjoyed it a million times more than I did at the very beginning. Um, so I, I, in, in, in some cases I, I love this show. In some cases there is things that the, the, in one of the things that I was kind of bothered by at the beginning of the show was this. I'm exploring the idea of married life from like a, two-year-old standpoint which it that that was kind of the the thing that bothered me the most is look you're married you're going to go a million times farther than sleeping on two different beds like across the room in the same you're gonna room? go much <laughs> yeah you're gonna go much much farther than that yeah that um, was that was so, my frustration when we were doing a first impression was like because i i haven't gone back to actually finish this show my biggest frustration with not doing that was the idea that, yeah, it, it felt like, you know, here is a story about guy who inter- encounters woman, basically. Like, wait, they smell like this? Wait, they turn like this? Wait, their eyes blink like that? It was like literally this guy is learning what a female is. And it's like, oh my gosh, dude, really? Oh my gosh, yes, that that's what females do. Have you never have you never seen one in the wild before? <laughs> it, it, it was it was literally like Kindro the writer was going, Hey, all you guys that have never experienced women, let me tell you about them. It was it was it, it felt almost like demeaning in that regard. But the thing that yeah. was was and you kind of mentioned the idea that it kind of that kind of gets pushed away quite a bit when Chitose uh, shows up, which that gives me a lot of hope because I think I've seen a couple shots of her just before I stopped watching. But the thing that made me want to go back to it was that what this show was doing is what all other harems don't do, which is here is the story after they get married. And they're a couple like it's a show about a couple. That's a rom-com 
which you just don't really ever see. If you ever have a couple, it's sometimes just really more of a slice of life show. And even then, most cases, slice of life shows that are more adult are single parents. It's so rare that you have a show that is about a couple. The only unfortunate thing, like I said, is that it's about a couple and one of them is just learning about that females exist, basically. <laughs> so <laughs> it is it, it is one of those things of of the I mean, it doesn't completely go away. I mean, the I, I, I texted Andrew a picture of 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 one one particular scene where dude finally learns what it means to give your arm up to a woman to sleep on it. it, it that your fingers go numb. Wow. <laughs> so it doesn't completely go away, but at least it tones it down a lot. It It, it, it becomes kind of this more of a side joke that just they bring up every once in a while is like, Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) undergarments, you have to wash them with regular clothes. Does that mean that her undergarments are with my clothes? Yes, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That is how physics works. Child. (laughs) They are both cotton and they will run into each other. (laughs) So you no, know, the the it, that joke doesn't go away, but it does tone down a, a bit, and and it just becomes more of a one. It's it's almost like he finally caught his stride of oh hey okay this is what I really want to do is these tender moments together, and and that becomes the more focus, and then Chitose is kind of the offset to that of I don't want you together, and so therefore reason, and and then they bar- bark at each other for a few minutes and. What I really did like was this this natural ability of Nasa to be able to um, co- talk calmly to Chitose, where she's just this obnoxious, uh, going crazy, and he just goes, "Okay, I I, I respect your 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 argument, well, but have you considered this?" And then she's like, she's trying to be polite, even though she doesn't want to be polite. Yeah, that sounds, in it. that in my head sounds like great. For great chemistry. And that was the thing that I really <laughs> enjoyed about NASA. He, besides his, I am learning about females side, his other side, which is actually kind of nurturing and, and kind and calm was a side that I could see making it really extremely enjoyable. The, the, the question that I had for you was like, does, do they ever reveal why Sukasa chose NASA? Because they had these moments where they're like, well, why'd you marry him to Sukasa on the side? It's always like, because this and it's always like stuff after they get married so it's like no girl that's not why that's not a good reason why you got married so they actually eventually get into why she chose him the bamboo princess concept no they that that was a that was hinted at over and over again but they never actually reveal that so be be aware of that that it, it is it is a constant theme throughout the story that they will mention it per se ish a few more times. So, I mean, it's as obvious as you can get by the, by the time the entire show is over, you're like, yeah, it's obvious that that's who that, who that is. Um, but as far as actually coming out and saying it, no, they never actually flat out reveal that. Um, as far as a reason why, because he kept going, because he kept going. you know how he could yeah because he he got up and and chased after her when he was you know half dead that, oh. that's that's pretty much the reason yeah that that's it 
Um, why I, why Nasa chose why did Nasa choose uh, Sukasa because she's cute. Oh yeah, <laughs> obviously. I I just like <laughs> at some point he's like, um, I mean yeah she's really cute but uh, I, I should I really be doing this for that reason? It's like that's what you're doing, dude. It's literally what you're doing. <laughs> well, they he the only other thing that he did say was they. Uh, I think it was Chitose, of course, um, was uh, caught him off to the side. And he said um, that he, that it's that moment that you you know that you're you didn't want to lose that moment or you didn't want to regret it afterwards type thing. Yeah, I think he mentioned and, that like in the that, early episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it is it is curious to wonder if this will get as much. Uh... I guess adaptation love as Hayata the Combat Butler because um, you know Hayata Be- Combat Butler got what <laughs> seven seasons or something like that. So I am curious to see if this one get as much of a treatment as that, or or if it's not as long. It looks like it's still ongoing, and they got fourteen volumes of it. In some ways, I do kind of hope it does because it does have. Like, like I think I've mentioned a few times that this is this, this to me feels like the the story that he wanted to do, and because of uh, the 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 and 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 uh, Hayate um, in that that show, it just probably was kind of impossible because it it there's there's the the like Andrew had mentioned before the the will they won't they the factor of they they can't never get to that moment. And if they ever do, the story is technically over because what's what's the point? And this this kind of was almost feels like the answer to that of what if I could get you past the 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 marriage moment? And now what would the because they're they're exactly the same characters. Uh, I in 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 a lot of ways, Sukasa is not technically. Um, uh, uh, Ojo, I, I cannot think of oh, her name. Definitely I'm, not. Definitely not. She's like full Sundete. Well, yeah, she she is full Sundete, and that that I think is what Chitose covers is the um the yeah. obnoxiousness of her. So you still have that that humor there, but uh, uh, Nasa is absolutely Hayate. The only the only thing that he's not is he's not the combat the combat butler, obviously. Yeah. Nagi. Her name was Nagi. Nagi. Yeah. But yeah, See, I, that, it, it, in a lot of ways, it, it seems like this is the answer to that of what, what would happen after these two got married. Well, you've got it. It, it just, yeah, he had to adjust the characters because I don't think that uh, Nagi would make, not that she wouldn't be, a, because when, when she's in daddy mode, she is absolutely adorable. And so it they the the two of them together were excellent, but it, it with them married together, it, it would just literally be like they were now, and, and and so they he wouldn't be able to get those tender moments that I'm sure he wanted to do a lot of those tender moments, and he was able to pull that off with this show. Yeah, we kind of discussed a little bit of that with the how. With Hayate, the unfortunate thing is that that was what that was the formula the writer sold to people, and that was what was making him money. That it makes sense that that is something that they'd want to actually avoid because 
that's basically their paycheck going on the tubes. The formula is them not being married. And that's the unfortunate thing because it, it seems like every time I, – I, I love after stories so much. And when you have a long-running series, at some point you're like, I would love to see this, you know, them married and having kids and see what the kids look like. That's why we love shows like, you know, that are epics like Dragon Ball where you're like you're seeing multiple kids and the, the generations that are being uh, going after them. It's just unfortunate for some, especially rom-com that you can't really experience that because they it break the formula. It would make people mad. It would make their waifu now no longer available to those that would be that uh, into the character. So it's the idol syndrome. An idol cannot have, you know, a relationship kind of thing, which is unfortunate, but I understand the reasoning. I don't agree with it. I understand the reasoning. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, Tony Kawa over the moon for you. Check that out if that sounds interesting. Uh, my turn. The Gymnastic Samurai or Taiso Samurai. This one's streaming on Funimation. Ran for 11 episodes. Done by Studio Mappa. The source is original. The genres are sports. And the series composition by Shigeru Murakoshi, who did Zombieland Saga. And this one takes place in 2002 in Japan. Follows a guy named Jotaro. And Jotaro is like 29 years old at the time the show starts. Uh, you get some kind of view of his background where he was known as the gymnastic samurai, uh, a very good gymnast that was revered by a lot of people. But at some point, he lost his wife. He got injure, a shoulder injury, uh, kind of had to take a break from gymnastics, but he is now trying to fight to get back into gymnastics, get recovered, and uh, get back at it. And I... I guess one of his main kind of pushes to it is that you know having being a single father and having his daughter to kind of look up to him and his, his gymnastics he kind of is pushing himself in order to perform again so that he can you know be that father that she looked up to i guess in a way uh they're quickly joined by a guy named leonardo who is they find at some like ninja convention kind of thing <laughs> and uh dresses up like a ninja acts like a ninja but is not japanese <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Leo kind of shows up and asks if he can stay at their place. Obviously, Leo knows who Jotaro is and kind of looks up to him as well. And uh, he shows him a place where he can get some kind of acupuncture to help him recover. And so, again, like it slowly follows them as he gets recovered, learns his routine, gets a rival, and goes out to perform again. But, yeah, it's... um. I struggle a lot with the series. I, I, I think that it has a lot of good potential in it. It had a lot of great moments in it, especially with Ray, who was Jotaro's daughter. I, I would, I would say that a lot of the storytelling is kind of done through her eyes, which is the main reason why I struggle with the series so much. Is Jotaro is not. He's a good character, but he's too real. I guess he's too boring. He's too, too dad. <laughs> He didn't. It didn't really seem like there was much to Jotaro's story from his perspective. He's, I want to recover. I got to learn my routine. Man, that person did a cool routine. I got to go to here. There wasn't much to him at all. Like I said, most all the storytelling was done through his daughter, who you kind of get the perspective of the loss of the mother, not having a parent around all the time. Those kind of things. 
and I did really enjoy those moments. That was that was like I said, it's where a lot of my enjoyment came for the series. And it was also done through Leonardo. Leonardo kind of was almost like a big brother that was there at her side most of the time. Outside of that, I I really enjoyed a lot of the side characters as well. I loved Mari, who was the mother or the mother of Jotaro. Um, enjoyed the the, the Garu Ayu and and uh, even though he was a little bit annoying at first, Tomoki was was cool in the end as well. Uh, I liked Noriyuki, who was his coach. He was it was fantastic as well. A lot of the drama points for Jotaro again came through Noriyuki, who was kind of like you know you're. You're way past your prime. You're you're not gonna get you're not gonna get progressively better at this point. You're going to get progressively worse just because of your age, and that kind of conflict there was, of course, a, a pinnacle point of the story as well. Tetsuo was like a really lost opportunity. Tetsuo was technically the rival character for a sports series. Tetsuo was kind of like one of those ones where you know exactly what they're doing with him. It's just. And there's nothing to him besides that. And every time he shows up, he's just kind of the grump butt that just stands there and grumbles and says, you should stop. And we made a joke of the idea that he's Chris made the joke that he's totally Vegeta. And then like right after he says that, you see this shot of Tetsuo with his arms folded and the shot at his side. And I'm like, it's totally as Vegeta pose. <laughs> he literally is Vegeta. So yeah, it's, that's where a lot of my frustration comes from is that there's a lot of cool opportunities that was in this story. It was nice that it felt very grounded in reality. It's kind of like one of those true slice of life that almost to its detriment and the idea that it it's life, true life is boring. But I did have a lot of great moments in there, but unfortunately it wasn't from the main character. It was from the family essentially. And that's kind of where I lay. It, it looked good. A lot of the visuals are nice. The directing was was fine. Uh, a lot of the competitions were kind of meh, just because it didn't seem like they showed enough or worked enough to make it seem like it was a competition. In most regards, it was kind of like, which I, I guess is 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 counter to my usual thoughts with sports shows. Is where I, I typically want to enjoy a sports show for the people and not so much the sport. Give me the story and things for me to want to root for. But this one went to the extreme other side where you had competition moments, but it felt like there was no point to it because I didn't know the competition. I didn't know what they were going against. I didn't even know what was happening, really. I just every now and then see a score fly up on the screen. And so, like I said, it kind of goes in the extreme other direction. So don't go into this as a sports show. Go into it as a, here's a recovering sportsman that is trying to keep his family in check at the same time so yeah that's uh, i guess that's basically my thoughts on it it was it was a solid show wasn't really much to jotaro who was the main character which the the i guess the big downer for the series but it had a lot of really powerful moments especially with ray and and leonardo with the the student uh the parent teacher day parent student day whatever they call it i forget the name of it that was really adorable. I I got really yeah, choked was. up with that. So, I still yeah. I still want to see see uh, Ayu and Tomoki, you know, as a couple. You were kind of mentioning that I think last time or uh, or this time. But yeah, not yeah, necessarily a was... couple, but yeah, they they had a moment. <laughs> they had a moment which was great. Ayu was was fantastic because she had like this really strong dialect to her, and uh, 
that was the same with Leonardo. He like was always talking like this ninja Nimpo kind of talk, and having them talk to each other was always like, do you even understand what each other is saying? Because she had like a thick dialect. It was crazy, and it was also really another fun point that I told Chris about was like. At this certain point, Ray gets lost, and so you have, like, all these... It was like one of those, you know who your family the is. squad! <laughs> yeah, you had, like, a Gyaru squad. You had, like, Mari's, like, thugs that she calls up, and, like, everybody picks up the phone, and, like, all these crazy people show up to find Ray. It was, it was way sweet. I loved it. So, yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty much my thoughts on the Gymnastic Samurai. I, I think it had a lot of potential there. And I think it delivered in a lot of regards. I Like I said, though, I think its biggest hamper was Jotaro was kind of boring. He was the main character. So, yeah. Dads are boring, unfortunately. <laughs> so, yeah. Akadama Drive. It's time for the big one. I'm joking. <laughs> this one was streaming on Funimation. Ran for 12 episodes. The studio is Studio Perot. The source is original. The genres are action sci-fi. The creator is Kazutaka Kodaka, who did the Danganronpa series. And the character designer was Rui Komatsuzaki, who did the Danganronpa series. And the director was Tomohisa Taguchi, who did the Persona 3 and 4 animations, as well as Twin Star Exorcist. And this one takes place in Kansai. And they kind of allude to the idea that, well, just by, like, brief moments of actually looking outside of Kansai, it seems like Kansai is, like, the only place that's livable. <laughs> other than Kansai, there's this other location, which is Kanto, which they don't necessarily go to because it's kind of this revered location. You see through, like, some propaganda videos that, at some point, Kansai and Kanto went to war with each other, and Kansai was decimated, and Kanto decided to, I guess, uh, take pity on Kanzai, and they allowed them to live and gave them technology to kind of recover. So at the current time the show starts, Kansai kind of reveres Kanto as being like the place of, you know, higher class, uh, you know, holy people. Like so much that like this one train, the only train that connects the two locations, whenever it shows up in Kansai, people like worship it, so to speak. Uh, but it's kind of like a cyberpunk, futuristic-looking city, uh, futuristic kind of setting. And it quickly follows a girl who ends up, through circumstances, ends up in a police station where she's kind of booked and and, and uh, facing some kind of charges. And the criminals in this particular world are known as Akadama, or like the, the main, the, like the, the biggest of criminals are known as Akadama. They're like labeled as Akadama. Uh we quickly get some shots of several different Akadama, including Courier, who is known for, you know, transporting stuff. Cutthroat, who is currently being set to being executed, which he likes to cut throats, as his name implies. A doctor, who is a doctor, if you want to call her that. Brawler, who is, like, full muscles, likes to bash things. Hacker, who, of course, hacks things. And there was also Sniper on that post board, and I totally forgot about that until until I ran into a screenshot. Uh, there was a Sniper, but they never show Sniper in the series. But uh, all these Akadama are hired to go to this police department that she's at, at the time and rescue Cutthroat, who's being executed at the time. And through their actions, this girl gets kind of caught up in the situation and 
they label her as swindler like she's one of the akadama but she's not really she's just kind of being drug along through the situation they free cutthroat and courier delivers a briefcase to cutthroat that he was supposed to deliver and in this briefcase are these collars and these collars get placed on everybody and they have a bomb on them and the person that hired them then gives them the next job which is to go get a package from such the train that i mentioned earlier before it goes off to Kanto. Well, again, Swindler, who's this girl, is forced at this point to kind of continue on because otherwise she's going to, her neck's going to explode and she's going to die. Uh, but yeah, this band of Akadama all go together in order to get this package and this, you know, sequential things that come after that. All the while being chased by a group that is known as the Executioners, who are highly trained fighters who find Akadama and have the license to essentially kill them on the spot. They, they're like judge dreads basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's basically the series in a nutshell, at least the beginning parts of it. I don't really get into anything beyond that. What is your thoughts? Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to get this out here right away is this show, uh, is dark and it gets darker towards the end. I fully acknowledge that, um, that my, my idea of this show will be tainted by my aversion for anything dark right now. Um, however, all said and done, when I walked away from this show, I can look back and say, I enjoyed myself watching the show. Um, the the it, main it gets reason the Chris Silva approval. I enjoyed myself watching this show. That 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 label that that award that you give out to certain shows. No, only the shows that I can say that with. I enjoyed myself <laughs> watching this show. It goes on the back. I'm I'm waiting for one of the Blu-rays to come out that says Chris from Ataku Spirit. I enjoyed myself watching this show. <laughs> the the main reason why I I because I have to I have to put that that ahead of it mostly because I know that I I know that I'm not the, the I'm not the I'm not everybody uh, so I I fully acknowledge that what? but there is a there is a certain a, a there is going to be those who watch shows and are not going to really want to go into dark shows um mostly because it I I mean I the 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 way the world is right now i don't really want anything dark in my life and i have to take that into consideration when i go and watch a show like this it this doesn't i when i when i say i enjoyed myself watching this show it's because of the fact that when i went into this show it's it's the characters are so obnoxiously over the top that i go away going dang i want to see what these people are going to get into um, when, when, uh, I, I was really okay with letting this drop. I was interested in seeing what, what, what ended up happening with these characters, but Andrew messaged me and said, this was so good. And so I was like, Andrew, hyped all right, it. fine. <laughs> Andrew hyped it. So I went and, and, and finished it off. I can say, I'm glad I went back. Um, but it was mostly because of the fact that there was, one or two twists in here that I was – I'm not going to say I – I would 
I I had no, an you're idea. You're not happy of with was... them, but you're good with them. <laughs> no, it, it it was more along the lines of it. It wasn't what I was. I was ex- I was expecting to see. Yeah, I expected Swindler to do something, and I'm not going to say she didn't do that. Um, it just it didn't happen the way. I was kind of seeing it happen. And that was, that and was I, what and I was I kind of thinking is like the idea of y- 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 you have this one person that is not the Akadama that everybody calls him. Courier is a courier. Cutthroat's a cutthroat. And so you're like, I wonder if eventually you just – you just in, deep in your heart, you're like, you know at some point they're going to make Swindler an actual Swindler. But it's like one of those things of like, okay, that's how they did it. Cool. That's really, I mean, again, not not happy with it, but you're like, cool, they actually did pull this off, and it wasn't in a cheesy way, I guess. And that was my expect. I thought that was going to be a cheesy thing. Yeah, and 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 that's that's the thing is, I, I, it. What's frustrating is is to say my expectations, and then no, I I fully acknowledge when I have expectations. I'm not the writer, so my expectations are always going to be subverted, and that's the mark of a good of good writing is having an expectation that being subverted and something that replaces it that is I'm not going to say better, but that works for yeah. what they were trying to do. Yeah, yeah, and and I and and that I I like that they pulled that off in this story, and that's why I can say I did walk away from this going. I enjoyed myself with that because they did well with the writing. However, I fully acknowledge I'm not going to be bouncing off of the walls like Andrew because I'm not into dark shows right now. What was it bouncing off walls? I send you a video without thinking. <laughs> no, I you, you suck because you, you, you brought up a, a pre a previous recording point that I made. And so that I can't make it now. You never brought up the whole dark thing. I did. I I would point. I I I like to point out the idea that you have somebody who does not like dark shows, and when the show gets dark, he shuts it off. Coming away from this, saying even though it's extremely dark, it he liked it. <laughs> so it's like. That tells you how good it is, based on the idea that even that did not deter him in the end. Plus Andrew sending him text saying this is a really good show, <laughs> but no, it, it it did end up being, I mean, aside from Sleepy Princess and Wandering Witch, this is my surprise hit for the season. It is a series that I, I mean, initially I got into it based on the fact that it was cyberpunk. Like you can't say I'm not going to jump into a show that's set in cyberpunk setting. I, I'm not even a fan of the Danganronpa writer. I'm not saying that I don't like his work. I just I've never gotten into it, so I'm not a I'm not a hyper Danganronpa fan. I mean, if you are a Danganronpa fan, you're probably already watching this, and if you're not, you should probably go watch it just because of the writer being the one behind this. It it, it is one of those shows where I was terrified to talk about it. I even I already did a video recording of it, and I literally record I record the entire thing. Like, from beginning to end, I think five whole times. Like, I recorded, like, a ten or so minute long review of this show, eight like, five times. 
and the frustration thing that I have is it's one of those shows that I don't I don't know that I'm going to convey my feelings well enough or that I'm going to like not do it justice. Not to say that it's like, you know, Shogun Roku Raku Shinju. This is not I'm not saying it is a ten out of ten show. It's just a show that I really liked and I liked what it was doing and it's a very unique story. And it's not it's it's not one of those typical shows that we get often. And I think the reason why I like it so much is that it's a culmination of multiple things that are done really well. It is it's great characters, even though they are their they are their Akadama. It is a set of characters who all have, you know, energy to them that drives the story going forward. It's a show with great pacing. It's a show that keeps moving forward. They're they're constantly running away from something or they're going through to their next objective. It's a it's a constantly flowing show with like this chaotic fun about it. Like I I, I still remember that first scene that they run into the executioners inside of uh, an, an apartment, and they have this whole thing where there's literally you know six people fighting in the middle of this apartment room. And nobody's standing off the side and commenting on it except for Swindler and Hoodlum, who are are not Akadama. Uh, everybody's fighting in the middle of this room, and there's just chaos happening. Cutthroat slashes somebody. They kick him out the window. He's crying about his knife or something. <laughs> A doctor gets gutted and is, is suing up her belly in the middle of the, the room at the same time that Brawler's punching at somebody in a car flight or a, a courier's bike runs into the room and shoots a gigantic laser out the side of the building. It's just chaotic fun that I'm like, holy crap, this is so much fun to watch. Not that it's like the greatest animation ever in history, but it's done well enough that you get what's happening and you're enjoying the moment. And it was that kind of stuff that really kind of intrigued me. Um, the world is fascinating as well. I did like the insights into to Kanto when they got into it. Um, the setting of the world, like when it first opens up with Swindler walking through the city, I was immediately immersed. Even though I was for a short period of time unimmersed by the fact that they had these goofy introductions for each of the characters. <laughs> they, they thankfully never do that again going forward. But it was a cool world. It was a cool concept. The executioners, the how the town uh, sheriff himself is the one that can dictate who is an Akadama. And then once they're dictated an Akadama, they're then like revered criminals that have to be taken down. All that stuff was kind of cool. It was, like I said, a culmination of multiple things. And what I mean by a culmination that works is that you have all these facets to it. You have solid characters you have a solid premise. You have an ongoing flow of reasoning or a, a purpose that they have to keep driving to. You have the executioners. You have uh, the the main plot line, the history told through the eyes of these uh, propaganda videos. It's all these things. The, the big twist at the end that we're talking about, that we're not going to talk about. <laughs> it's a culmination of these things that are not overdone. I think that's the, the thing that I ended up realizing after five recordings of the video uh, review of of this this is a culmination of things that are never overdone that big twist thing at the end with with swindler and stuff it's not done to the point where it's like you're preaching to us the big twist at the i would guess i, I would i would i guess i would say the executioners and what they do it's not done to the point that it is overdone 
the characters themselves and all they do is not overdone. Even I even like the the concept that the uh, the the criminals themselves, the Akadama, they're Akadama for a reason, and the writer never like does some shiverous thing where they go, well, because Swindler said this is bad, we can't do this anymore because killing's wrong. No, they're all from beginning to end, they're all criminals, and they and the writer chose to stay true to that, which I really respect, and. I, I guess that's like another really solid thing about it. So, yeah, that's um, I think that's I guess that's all my thoughts on it. I, every time I talk about this, I hate it. <laughs> it's a really good show. I really enjoyed it. Great, great directing. I I love the style of it. Like I said, even though I'm not a fan of Danganronpa's character designs, I I only really see it in Swindler. Like everybody else, I don't really see their designs, which I think is a good thing because I think, and don't hate me for this. One of the reasons why I never got into Danganronpa is I don't like how everybody's character designs are extremely over-the-top different than each other. Like, everybody looks like an alien from a different planet, all in one classroom. Uh, so, not having that happen with all the characters, I mean, they all look like they fit next to each other in a room, which is really great. And I do like, I, I think they're really good character designs, so. Yeah. Good style, good directing, uh, solid music to go along with it. A lot of fun action scenes, cool twists in it. Uh, just overall, a really solid show that'll probably be fighting its way in my top list. Further thoughts on Nakadama Drive? No, anything else would be spoiler discussion. Yeah, we might do a spoiler discussion. I, I, I recommend people checking out my video because my video is probably going to have different thoughts in there because I can't. <laughs> I always worded differently every time I talk about the show, so yeah. Our last crusade or the rise of a new world or Kimi to Boku no Saigo no Sinjo Aru Iwa Sekai ga Hajimaru Seisen. This one's streaming on Funimation, ran for twelve episodes. The studio is Silverlink, the source is a light novel, the genres are action, military, romance, fantasy. The director is Shinao Noma, who did F A Telememories and Melodies, as well as Kokoro Connect. And this one takes place in a kind of a fantasy setting. You have the Empire, who is uh, currently uh, fighting against the Nebulous, who are basically witches. And we follow Iska, who is a part of the Empire. And every now and then we jump over to the viewpoint of Alice, who is the Ice Calamity Witch, who is, of course, with the Nebula. Or Nebulous, sorry. And... Yeah, it's Romeo and Juliet. Every now and then they meet in a neutral zone. They converse. They talk about how they don't want the war anymore, but they can't trust each other. And then the Empire rises up and tries to fight against the witches. And the witches are having a lot of internal issues with factions within their own faction, which is odd. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, it's Romeo and Juliet. I forget, did you watch this one? No, I didn't. That's right. You left me. You left me hanging. I, I, to be honest, the main reason why I ended up watching the series is because I was watching it dubbed in order to get some stuff done at the same time. So I was actually able to watch it while doing other things. So yeah, mainly setting up the the, the video recording and stuff. So 
I probably would have dropped it otherwise. I mean, it, it is one of those ones where when we did our first impressions, I I did have something in there that I wanted to, I guess, suss out. And that's usually what happens with a lot of the shows that are not great starting out, but we still watch them, is that there's always that hope there's one thing in there that's going to be intriguing that you want to see if the writer pulls off. And it, it's funny because in the early episodes when they first go to the neutral zone – it literally has the two main characters, Iska and Alice, in a theater watching a play of Romeo and Juliet. So it's like, obviously, you're acknowledging that this is an inspiration for this story. But what different things will you do with this element of Romeo and Juliet? And, of course, the element here is the fact that they're one side is witches and there's magic and, and there's ethereals and and crazy, crazy uh, magical things happening uh mecha magic warriors and stuff like that. But is there going to be anything in there of like really good substance? And I think the only thing that really kind of brought up was that one of the characters kind of, uh, they alluded to this idea of one of the characters becoming a witch and it kind of opened up a couple of doors of possibilities of cool things to do. Plus the idea of, you know, normally if a witch was in the empire's grass, they would kill him on the spot and now you have like, well, we have to protect this person because we love this person. Fortunately, I don't. They did it. They did a couple things with it, but it wasn't really like they did a lot with it. And I guess the other big unfortunate thing is that this is like almost feels like a really gigantic, like prelude. <laughs> like there's all this idea of this war happening and coups happening and all this stuff building up, and none of it really ever kind of happens in the end. And so, like I said, it, it feels almost like a huge introduction to a bigger scale climax that's coming up. And so, unfortunately, th th let's get this out of the way. The biggest negative is going to be that it is essentially light novel, light novel bait unless – I doubt it <laughs> – unless they actually have a, another season coming for this particular adaptation. So keep that in mind it's it's a big introduction so it's it's hard for me to even sell at that point but outside of that i i honestly don't really see i didn't see much value to the series it 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 felt like most of the time the series spent was spent in neutral zones having iska and alice somehow by random chance bumping into each other having a date and then going their separate ways and talking about how the war is still happening and can't trust witches you can't trust the empire oh we met each other in the neutral zone again let's have a date again let's have a date but it i don't like you because you're on the other I side i can't trust you you're you're trying to trick me you're you're poisoning alice's mind get away from her you're an empire person yeah i and i probably am exaggerating this i feel like 75 percent of the show was them meeting in neutral zones and having dates so and that's where a lot of my frustration comes from. Outside of that was like a some some coups and stuff trying to happen, a founder showing up and them having to stop the founder, that kind of stuff happening as well. But yeah, just kind of kind of disappointing. Just a very a very um which involved Romeo and Juliet introduction story is really what it comes down to in the end. So unless you're a big fan of light novels and want to jump into light any be okay with jumping the light novel after watching it. You can probably check it out and get an idea of uh, what the, the, the early segments of the light novel would be at least. So 
It it looked it wasn't great visually. It was okay. They had a lot of wonky character designs here and there. Good good voice actors and voice actresses though. I I'd, I'd enjoyed a lot of them. Yeah, that's uh, our last crusade or the rise of the new world. Check that out if that sounds interesting to you. Warlords of Sigdrifa. Or Sinyoku no Sigdrifa. This one streamed on Funimation, ran for 12 episodes. The studio is A1 Pictures. The source is original. The genres are action military. And the series composition and scriptwriter was done by, uh, or is, Tepe, Tape Nagatsuki, who, of course, is the creator of ReZero and is currently making a light novel series for this particular series. Uh, so, QR kind of mentioned every now and then that sometimes originals aren't always just originals. Sometimes they're they're also made to sell a light novel. <laughs> but yeah, this one, um, this takes place in, you know, your standard, like, modern times world. But in this particular world, Pillar started showing up and was threatening, threatening mankind. And Odin appeared before mankind and offered the strength of his Valkyries to fight the Pillars and save mankind from Ragnarok. And we quickly start following Claudia, who has won such Valkyrie, and she is being transferred over to the Japanese branch. Uh, she is known as the Reaper because every time she goes on missions, everybody ends up dead, and she always is the one to survive. And we quickly meet her teammates, which is Miyako, Sonaka, and Azuzu, who are also Valkyries. Um, not like special named ones like Claudia is. She's kind of revered as being a named but, um, yeah, and they go out on missions to take out the pillars at the same time, returning back to base and and, redor- and enjoying a little bit R&R with the, their teammates and all that kind of stuff. Kind of, I, I kind of mentioned last time, Strike Witches, Strike Witches-esque, but I think that kind of remains as only in the idea that they girls going out to fight in the air, battling the bad guy, and then coming back to the base. Because it doesn't have the extreme etchiness that you would get from Strike Witches, even though there is there's a couple fan service episodes. Um, and I think this one has more of a focus on other things besides what, what Strike Witches does. So, Your thoughts? Okay, let's see if we can at least come close to what we had last time on this one, because this one was probably one of the more interesting on this list of shows to discuss. Um, Mostly on the aspect of this show, the best way I could figure out to put this was in one respect, this show really pissed me off. And in the other uh, side, I really, really love this show. And, and the reason why it pissed me off is because I love it. Um, The writing has a knack for, these really wonderful, heart-touching, um, uh, rip-your-eyes-out, make-you-want-to-cry moments. And then on the other side, the best way that, that, that I could actually put this was that it, it, the, 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 the moments that were designed to break the, these really tense moments were so out of place um, that they over over contrasted. Um, they were there for a reason. And you didn't like the underground scene, did you? 
was my no, favorite episode. The, an- the angel beats like episode. <laughs> I, I I loved the falling guy, but but the the clappity clap was just too much. I I, I couldn't do the clap. I, I will admit that I was against the. <laughs> the butt clapping guys but i will admit that the reason that that happened did lead to us having butt clapping girls so <laughs> this is true <laughs> <laughs> they had to they had to join in eventually and, and it, it it is it's it's and this is this is why i fully acknowledge the fact that those moments were there to break the tension because you're 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 talking about effectively little girls in war and they're going to war and they're facing some really really harsh stuff not to fe- not to mention the fact that they are also revered in being um kind of like um messengers to gods and so they have effectively priestess uh duties as well and we kind of mentioned that in the first uh the the first impressions where we were talking about this really touching moment where one of the girls was doing effectively a send off ceremony and so you've got these really touching moments that these girls are involved with and then you turn around and you have these the like Andrew was talking about the um the the butt cheek clapping which it's not so much that the those scenes are there because they they're they're not bad scenes. They're in in a lot of cases they're very funny. Like like we were talking about, I I during the those same scenes there there's the guy who keeps falling and and the the other guy likes the fact that the girl is stepping on him and it, and it's absolutely absurdly hilarious moments, but they're so out of touch with the the moments that. It's 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 like a contrast that becomes so overly contrasty that it's actually irritating to the eyes is the best way way to describe it. It's not because the moments are there to break up. I understand and I fully acknowledge what they're trying to do, but they're so off the wall and out of place to what this story is doing. It becomes overly exaggerated. It's 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 it 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 becomes more irritating the more contrasty it is to what it's doing. So it's it it's one of those. I understand what it's doing. I don't think it worked, but at the same time, I know what it's doing. Yeah, I, I guess I technically agree with you, um, but I don't think it really bothered me to the degree that it, that's kind of my main focus for it. it it it's one of those things where it's like yeah that's kind of a side thing i understand what you're saying there the and i i do agree with you in the idea that i think it is kind of a attempt i wouldn't say it's so much an attempt to i guess diffuse a lot of the emotion but more of an idea that it it kind of is there as a oh the best way to put it is i think that the concept of the series through uh, the creator's mind is the idea that they would do a a balancing back and forth between the two. It really did feel like his idea was to have this seesaw where heavy moment, goofy moment, heavy moment, goofy moment, heavy moment, goofy moment, and kind of going back and forth rather than it being kind of a diffusing thing, which is I think is yeah a little bit frustrating because. 
technically coming into the series, the initial thing that we had is, okay, here's Nagatsuki. Let's see what Nagatsuki can do besides ReZero. Uh, Re so you, so I constantly had in my mind, oh, crap, who's going to die first? <laughs> I obviously had in my mind that this, this creator is known to make characters suffer. But it, thankfully, and I... Th I want to say thankfully just because I don't want Nagatsuki to feel that he has to make another ReZero. I want him to make his own, whatever he wants to make. And I think that's what he did here. And I think what he made here was was surprisingly unique to his, his writing style, and I like that. The things that I loved about this series was... The characters are fun. I love the characters. Miyako is... A treasure and must be protected for all life. Um, I loved Azuzu as well because she's Sundere, but Miyako was just <laughs> pure, too pure, want to protect. The the thing that I liked about the series was that it had heart in it, and it's very hard to find shows, especially shows like this, that have heart in them. Like I mentioned earlier, Strike Witches is kind of a, a nice way of describing it, just because it's. It's cute girls getting in planes, flying out to the sky and fighting weird creatures. But with this one, a lot of the focus isn't in that they are the greatest pilots and will save the world. It's in, we are a team. Here are your comrades. They will be your shield. Fight to destroy the enemy. And the shield, so to speak, is their is the regular humans, the the military guys that are getting in jets and flying out there and protecting them while they get their job done. And like you mentioned, the idea they're kind of like priestesses or shrine maidens that have duties. It is, but keep in mind that it's not duties that they're obligated to do. They're duties that they feel they have, that they want to do. They have like this whole ritual of if somebody gets injured in, in battle, they will go and visit them on a regular basis at the hospital. And even in cases where they're not going to make it, <laughs> they almost feel like they have, they want to be there as a send off. And it's something these guys look forward to. Like they, like, again, they revere them as these almost like idols. I guess you can, you can, you can make it simple as the idea they, they idolize these girls. They're almost like idols, but they, they treasure these girls. They want to protect these girls. And at the same time, the girls want to make sure they're happy. And I think that's fantastic. It is that it is, even though I joked about that, it is the idol. It's the the concept of idols that we really like. That idea that these girls want to serve their fans, and their fans love them for it. And it's it's a it's a it's a relationship, so to speak. And that was definitely the the main thing that I attached to for this series as a whole. Is I loved that dynamic, and I thought that even though he didn't always keep to that. It was always present. It wasn't always a focus, but it was always present. And I, I guess it, to his credit, I don't think he overdid it, which I think is a good thing. But yeah, d would I have liked the series to keep to more of a serious nature? Maybe. I, but I think I think in the end, I think he did a good job of of keeping that balance proper. It never felt like it was too heavy. It never felt like it was too bubbly. Um, and I, 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 my only real frustration in the end is that I don't feel that the big plot line at the end was great. 
it it surprised me. It wasn't it wasn't what I was expecting it to turn into being, but it wasn't. I guess an, a, enough to blow me away. So I, 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 I guess my only warning to people was is to be that it's going to be an it's it's a good ending to it. It's a good story to to close it out with, but it wasn't one that blew me away. So don't go into it with high expectations. If you're going to enjoy the show, you're going to know within the few first few episodes. Don't go into it wanting to get to the ending to see if the, the ending is going to blow you away. The formula stays to it, and that was what made it so great. But and it was a it was a formula that I really enjoyed. I love the chemistry with the characters. I love the 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 almost you know teammate aspect with the non Valkyries. I love the camaraderie. Um, I love the cutesy moments, especially Azizu and Miyako. I thought they were absolutely adorable. Um, especially together. Um, Sonoko's story... Eh. I don't know why, but I struggled a little bit with Sonoko's story. I, I honestly didn't really... I don't know. I, I think it's because I just wasn't... I wasn't in the mood for it. And so it rubbed me the wrong way. It's not that there was anything wrong with Sonoko's story. It's just it for some reason I was not in the mood for it. And so it kind of... I kind of brushed it off. The big sister or Sonika herself? Herself. Just her getting whiny and stuff. Like yeah, I it didn't pre- bother me. Like, I, I thought it I thought it was it was it was about it was fitting for what, what they were doing overall. I like the it, big sis. Uh, but I always like big yeah, sis it, characters. I, I don't I think, like her I didn't I, like her outfit. Her freaking shorts were stupid looking. And I think that was I think that was mainly A One Pictures or whoever probably it was probably not A One Pictures that did the animations for it, but they didn't look like short shorts. They looked like underwear, and that's yep. what drove me nuts about it. It's like you have this really serious situations. They're telling Sonica she cannot fight. She needs to stay here, and she's literally. It looked dumb. I'm sorry. It really ruined the scene. <laughs> Maybe that's why I didn't like Sonica's stuff is because of that stupid. Underwear I think shorts. That, yeah, I think that Sonica herself, her story was fitting to the to the generalized concept of what they were doing there. Yeah, it's a left at behind. Best at best, uh, the big sister would probably be the only thing that I would see as off putting in general. But I understand what they were going for. They were going for a her story is is a mirror of her big sister's story, and that's really what it came down to for me, anyway. Hmm. All right. Yeah. I guess I guess that's it for Warlords of Sagrifa. I, I, I. Don't get me wrong. In the end, I really enjoyed the series. It impressed me a lot. The the I almost forgot the actual air fights were fun. They had a they had a good sound to it. Even though it was all CGI, it looked good. Um, it was a lot of fun. The air fights were a lot of fun. They weren't they weren't boring air fights like. Unfortunately, I hate to say it, but a lot of Strike Witches' air fights are kind of boring. <laughs> but you're you're not going into you're not going into Strike Witches for the air, the, the combat sequences, <laughs> and you're always distracted by something else. Uh, yeah, Lord Warlord of Sigrifa is more of a the combats is, is yes, technically second nature, but it was a lot of fun. I did enjoy them. Like I said, the great cast of characters, good chemistry. Definitely check it out if it sounds interesting to you. Or if you're looking, again, looking into other works of Nagatsuki, don't expect ReZero at all. Please don't. Um, but it's a good, it's a good, it was nice to see his other storytellings for sure. 
Warlords of Sigdrifa. But I do agree with you. You, you mentioned in the last recording that we had. I, I kind of wish that they kept Odin in his original form. Did you say that, or did I say that? Yeah, I said that. It, it was the Shota it, thing didn't work. I, I, I do, I do the, agree. The Shota thing didn't work for him. And it, I it's mean, like I a, get it. it. It made his it made his crazy face a little bit more exaggerated. But yeah, mm. I think it would have been better if as an old man. I I agree. I don't know why they chose it or why he chose to do that. I guess I guess for the Shota fans. <laughs> why am I even asking? Uh, I'm standing on a million lives or 100 mon no inochi no ue ni ore wa tateru. This was straight on Crunchyroll, ran for 12 episodes, done by Studio Maho Film. The source is a manga. The the genres are action, drama, fantasy, game, shonen. And the series composition was done by Takao Yoshioka, who did Moros Mononokian, Elfin Lead, Seven Deadly Sins, Your Line April, and Familiar Zero. And this one follows a guy named Yusuke Yotsuya, who hates the world and thinks everybody should die for some reason. And <laughs> at some point, he is confronted by a girl named Yu Shindo, who is very popular in his school, and brought into another world by a game master and the game master essentially assigns them a class and then gives them a quest to do in this other world, which is a fantasy world. And they have to do that quest in a certain time or they're, they're ended so to speak. And I guess the interesting thing of mechanic in this particular world is that they can die and be revived but if they the entire party dies it's game over essentially so they have to make sure one of them lives and it's a very difficult world plus the fact that uh yusuke starts out as a farmer so (laughs) his whole joke is that he keeps giving like he he keeps give being given like useless classes because every so so many levels or rank ups they get a new job and he keeps getting things like cooking and stuff um but yeah, slowly over time, it, you find out that what happens is the Game Master assigns them a quest in the real world to find somebody and do something, and then they come to find out that that person is actually the next member of their team that will be brought to the this other world next time in order to do a quest. So uh, Yushindo the very first time that she was given those, it was to find Kusue, this other girl, bring her into that world. And then Yusuke was the next person they were assigned to find in the real world to be brought to the other world, to the next quest. And then eventually it was Yuka and then some other guy at the very end. But yeah, your, your thoughts on I'm standing on a million lives. And of course, I guess some point, I don't think it was very far into it. They kind of find out they're, essentially being trained for a possible something to happen in the real world later. So yeah, your thoughts. So you don't want to go first. Are you sure you got, you got the next one all by yourself too. So that is true. Yeah. I, it'll give me a little bit more time to kind of collect my thoughts on this one because I do, I do think there's plenty to say on this one. I really do. I really wanted to enjoy this show. Um, to get it out of the way, it didn't look great. I, I think that Maho Films 
did not carry this show very well. There was a lot of wonky character designs, a lot of really rough-looking CGI usage. So, yeah, it didn't look great at all. But that doesn't mean it can't be a good show. Uh, I, I think the reason why I struggled a lot with this series was that, one, again, it didn't really get far into the story. And I don't think they've actually... They, they did announce a sequel, didn't they? they? They're doing a second season, unless that was a joke. Was that a joke, or are they actually doing a second season? Yeah, they're doing a second season. So I, I can't really give my full perspective on it because there's more stuff coming. But I did want to enjoy it because it was, like we always mention, it's an isekai with a different twist. It is an isekai where they actually do return back to their original world. And I like the idea that they're constantly bringing people from their actual world into the world. It's almost like they're... It sucks to think about it, but, like, they have this whole situation where you is, like, she's she feels alone. And she was so happy when she was able to bring Kisue into that world with her because then she had somebody with her. She had an ally. And that concept is something they kind of kept going with is this idea that you, even though she is popular, she does have some insecurities uh, Kusue is made the fighter, even though she's extremely weak in the real world. Um, Yuka, her whole thing was more in the idea that she was being bullied and she accepted being a part of that just to get away from it kind of thing. So the characters are solid. They do have some good backstories to them and their driving focus due to those backstories is, 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 you know, sufficient. I also like the idea that whatever like stats and stuff they get in the other world, like their class choice or not really choice, but their class given to them affects them in the real world. So you had like, at some point you mentioned the fact that she was going to like the, the, the semifinals or something like that to her tennis club. And she failed because her class was wizard <laughs> and wizards have really crap, crappy stats besides, you know, intelligence, uh, and it has a very dungeon and dragon kind of feel to it where you do have, you know, the wizard class is extremely weak, like starting out. And so you is very weak. And you do know eventually, probably eventually, she's going to be extremely powerful because that's usually how it is with D&D. Eventually, you're going to get those skills that just wipe the floor with everybody. So she does have to rely on other people to kind of protect her, even though, you know, Yusuke gets the farmer job <laughs> i like <laughs> i like the concept and, and it's it's similar to other shows where you have the the weakest becomes the strongest kind of trope where even though he's given like the worst classes possible he has to figure out ways of utilizing them that's effective so like even though he does get the chef class it gives him the ability to see the he knows exactly where certain arteries are in every beast so he knows exactly where to stab with his little kitchen knife so he's actually very lethal in that regard. <laughs> I like that concept. I also like the idea that there's always this fear of all of them dying at once and the little caveats that the writer throws in to make it actually dire to them. Like, well, what if them one of them freezes and they can't revive? Then you're suddenly out one person and if everybody freezes to death, it's game over. What happens when you game over? All those things are constantly kind of played out. Is this a virtual world all those kind of concepts I really did like. It's just, it was a little bit marred by the fact that it didn't look great, but I am excited for a second season. 
And I think I, with the second season, I'll know if it's going to be a show that I can recommend to a lot of people. But I think it's, I think knowing that there is a second season, I can recommend at this point, just because I think it had enough in there that was fascinating that I can recommend it. My, besides the animation issue, and this is a really big one, my only other big issue with the series is I hate Yusuke. He's so annoying. Like he has the, it, it's it's one of those issues where I'm constantly going. You better have had your entire family massacred by the public with rocks for you to hate the world that much because you keep whining about it. And I'm tired of hearing it. And I know they they revealed one backstory. And I'm no, like, I no, I hope you, that you wasn't see? it. No, <laughs> I'm saying it? It I'm hoping that wasn't he... it. No, I'm hoping <laughs> he... that wasn't it. <laughs> he likes protect he he always feels like he has to protect the world and nobody gives him credit and therefore he hates the world really <laughs> well it was all, it was that it was that and there was some scene with the they buried something and then they the government came yeah. in and and bulldozed this tree and it was like i hope that wasn't that was it. that was that was that entire scene that was the whole thing it was so a, there, that was part of that same scene he protects the world and the world does not give him credit for it so therefore he hates the world really that's yeah. his 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 reason so essentially the my biggest complaint with this series is the main character is annoying as hell and i hate and, and granted it's not always but it, it feels like maybe once every two episodes he has to dwell on it and it's like oh please shut up i'll grow up dude <laughs> Please grow up unless you're going to show me another backstory by, oh, oh, by the way, my family was, you know, stoned to death by the public. I don't care. Shut up, please. So that, that, and that, and that sucks because having a main character that you dislike does put a huge stain on a series, but I, other people might not be bothered by it as much as I am. Uh, but cause outside of that, it's, 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 it's a solid series that I think has a lot of cool little mechanics and I think that's the big driving point for me enjoying it is that there's so many little mechanics in it that I do like that I do want to see more. And plus, Lolly Game Master was fantastic, too. <laughs> she was so cute. So, when it when it comes... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so go ahead. <laughs> um, When it comes to my side, I, I think... I... Yusuke didn't really bother me that much. Um, I I was more, I was more fascinated by the questions in general that this this story brought up. They they did dabble into um, kind of hinting at the idea that murder is actually murder in this world because it's actually these are actually real characters it, so it, it it dabbled into that Spoiler, it dabbled into I was avoiding that one <laughs> it so it tried to do a couple of really interesting takes on some things that i would have never thought that this it, it, even going into this beginning part of it, it i would have never thought that they were going to dig into this i was I was about to write this off as as one of those okay yeah this is this is the the average couch um so it's not it it does do some cool things but it's it's not that in, in interesting when it when when we go along from brown couch to red couch to orange couch this couch didn't do anything super special I was about to write it off until really? I got towards the last 
I was until so they the started getting into the concept of dragging the... others into it and the concepts of like the death mechanic, all that stuff wasn't enough for you. Not really. It wasn't until they started asking the really weird questions, and I was like, "Where are you guys going with this?" And yes, I am extremely excited about a second season of this. And I was the one that I texted Andrew, and I'm like, "I got to hear your opinions on this because." I, up until they started actually digging into that stuff, it was like, okay, this might be interesting. Um, I, the, having the death game aspect was kind of cool, but it did, it was, I mean, we've technically had a death game before, so it's not like that was enough. Um, it was really the actually starting to delve into, okay, now we're going into Yusuke's mental uh, uh, aspect of actually causing a death of another person. That was interesting. Um, going into the the latter aspects of um, what the lolly did bring into uh, the real world was kind of interesting. So, yeah, I I think that it this one might shake out to be if if it stops at, at this point and then we don't actually dig into anything else i yeah I, I i fully acknowledge that i got tricked but as it stands right now a second season i'm super excited about i'm totally blown away by the only aspect that actually got you hooked into a second season is going to be possibly the worst aspect <laughs> because it involves yusuke who is annoying <laughs> and only gonna make him even stupider. You know that. that you know that's what's gonna happen. You're only gonna make him stupider about all that stuff. Very possible. But no, yeah, I only fully acknowledge that. But my only hope is that instead of it making him stupider, it's going to it's going to correct his path. But I don't think based on the conversations that he had with the game master at the very end, that's going to be the case. I think I, he's, just, I I think he's gonna get more he, annoying because because that 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 the way he answered the questions were like. Uh, you're gonna go down that path, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, right. I hope not. So, so yes, I fully acknowledge that we could go down the. Uh, I because I've done this, I'm I'm incapable of doing anything correctly. Anything because they've done that before, and <laughs> yeah. it's. So I I fully acknowledge that. No, what I meant by the because death we thing, have to have really... dark, edgy character. <laughs> yeah. And not necessarily that it meant that the the death mechanic, the idea of dying in the game is anything new, but it was more the idea of the idea of uh, party dying. Like you can die, but your entire party can't die. Which I, which I will say that I thought got a little bit tiresome that they kept bringing it up, especially like with the whole uh, the where they had to map out the map. And I was like, holy crap, this is getting annoying. I, it, it felt like several episodes of just walking in snow and talking about how they, they all can't die. <laughs> it's like, I get it. It's a mechanic. I get it. Yeah. The mapping out thing got a little tiring. I like how it ended, though. I want to I wanna, I wanna see more of the cool uh, Griffin writing person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I'm standing on a million lives. Check that out if that's interesting to you. I don't know that they announced. Uh, looks like they're saying fall. No, not fall. That'd be that'd be summer. Summer 2021 would be the second season. Maybe if that's if that will happen. So, 
Yeah, like I said, it, they had like the whole segment at the very end where they're talking about a second season, and they they kept they were throwing a bunch of jokes at. It, so I'm like, I don't know if this is a real announcement or if it was just a joke, because <laughs> they 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 were having a lot of fun with that that uh, announcement. Next one we have is Dropout Idol Fruit Tart, or Ochi Kobore Fruit Tart. This one was streaming on Funimation, ran for 12 episodes, done by Studio Feel. The source is a manga, and the genres are music, slice of life. And the creator is Sao Hamayumi Ba, who did Hanayamata. I like how their name is pretty close to Hanayamata. That's kind of funny. I don't know if I noticed that before. Which also makes me shocked that Chris did not watch this show. Because I thought his Hanayamata was in his top favorite anime of all time, top ten list. <laughs> it is. Yes, last time never, we had a Meet the Host, you had Hanayamata in your top ten list. Crazy. Never never got around to finishing it. I did want to, too. That's alright. I thought That's this right. was I thought this was in part three and Yeah, I, and I guess and, I got and, him. It, and he thought that Tonikawa is in part two. Yes. <laughs> and I just exactly. put Tonikawa in here because we didn't do part three. Anyways, uh, yeah, this this takes place in the fourth dorm of the Rat Productions. It follows a group of what they call dropout idols. Essentially, a bunch of girls in a dorm that all were in some section of the entertainment industry but f- failed. Like Nina, who was a model. Uh, Roko was like a child idol. Like she was not a child idol, but a a child superstar because she was in a broccoli commercial, <laughs> which was hilarious. So each one of them had like this one thing they were doing in the past that they dropped out of as the, as the title leads you to believe. And their leader of the dorm, Hoho, she decides to, in order to keep the dorm open because they're in debt, uh, she's going to make them all idols. And so she forms an idol group with these girls and kind of forces them out into the public to become stars so that she can, make bank and pay off debts. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's basically the concept and they kind of meet other idols like Rocco's uh, little sister who is bigger than her <laughs> is, is a pretty popular idol. And they, they meet that group. Um, Himo, who was a part of that other idol group that decides to join them because she loves Eno so much, which is the, I would guess the main character kind of focus on her a lot. Um, but yeah, it's just their their incursions into the world trying to become idols, even though they have zero talent for it whatsoever. <laughs> like, I'm talking zero talent for it whatsoever. Like, they can't even sing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... I guess the best way that I could put this, if it's going to be something that people would enjoy or not, is, is essentially an idol show, but etchy. And that is a... And I'm surprised he doesn't have one of the genres as actually because I think a, a large majority of the content in the series is about chess and sexualizing the girls in order to sell. And it, it's not like it's it's not like early early wake up girls is sexualizing where it was trying to do it in a way that it you know this is actually bad for the energy. It's all done in fun. This is a this is a cute girls doing idols with etchy. So it's not to be taken seriously. It's all done in jest. It is fluffy, goofy, cutesy, etchy, fun. And 
I think that's to its benefit, but also to its detriment because it, it's very rare that you ever have an idol show. I don't. I, I, it's hard to think of another idol show that it w- is willing to have its characters be again uh, in the etchy, etchy situations. In most cases, it's 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 kind of kept pure. They're cute. You want to see, but they're too pure. Protect. This one's kind of just going full on etchy. Have fun with it, kind of stuff. Not that it's like hyper sexualizing any point, it but it, it gets pretty close to that. So keep that in mind as a decision point if you want to watch it or not. Um, but a lot of the humor is related to breast size and that kind of stuff, which I I will say is the detriment in that aspect because they overplayed the cup size joke way too much. Like every two jokes, it felt like it was, Oh, look over at Nina. Yeah. Her chest size is big moon noise in the background. And then it goes to do like two other jokes and then it comes back to Nina. Oh yeah. She's still in the room. Let's look moon noise in the background. (laughs) So I did get a little bit sick of that. But other than that, a lot of it was a lot of fun. I I thought the character designs are fantastic. Um, Did a lot of great jokes in there. A lot of good etchy in there as well. Um, But it is kind of going to be... Your enjoyment is going to be based on the idea if you like the etchy and if the comedy works for you. I would say the comedy isn't that great. I didn't really laugh too much watching the show. But I was entertained in the end. I was entertained by their silliness, their cutesiness, them hanging out with each other, being forced to do stuff by Ho-Ho. All that kind of stuff was a lot of fun. I really did enjoy Roko and her dislike of her younger sister being better than her and bigger than her and everything. Uh, I always got, I somehow always got a kick out of that. Um, Hemo is really cute as well. Her and Eno were, were fantastic together. Uh, I actually really liked... Hayu. I think Hayu is probably one of my favorites that didn't get enough screen time. I wish they did more with her in the end. But um Yeah, it was just a, it was just a cutesy etchy ish show about idols being terrible at being idols, really. <laughs> yeah, looked really good though. I I'm I'm really happy with how it looked though. But it, it was definitely one of those series that I definitely wanted to check out to the end just because I like to make sure I'm up on my idol shows. <laughs> I don't know why I have a completionist mindset with idol shows. Where did that come from? Probably from uh, from Cinderella Girls. I think it was probably because we were we were doing an idol episode and we wanted to make sure we were caught up on everything. I don't know what it was. Something something got me stuck on being a completionist about idol shows. Even though I haven't gone back and finished Love Live, which that definitely is one that I will end up finishing that we have not reviewed yet. Love Live yeah, that was, and Moriarty. That was it too. That that and that and this one were the two that I that I was I was frustrated that I didn't get to finish on this season. Another complaint that I have with Drop Idol Fruit Tart, I didn't like the music so much. <laughs> I mean, it was like the intro and stuff were fun, and most of the songs they did were just kind of fun, especially the broccoli song. And they ended up having like a full performance of the broccoli song, like that's. <laughs> Because I think you like the broccoli song too, right? Where you had Rocco up on the TV yeah. and she's broccoli, bro- 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 broccoli. Um, at some point, they're like, we don't have a song. And, and then Noho's like, just do the broccoli song or something like that. And they're like, 
we can't do that. It's licensed. And she's like, oh, don't worry about that. I called them this morning, and it cuts to her on the phone with them, and they're like, yeah, do whatever you want. <laughs> so they had, like, a full stage performance of all the girls singing the Broccoli song. Oh, that was easily my favorite part of the series. I don't know why the Broccoli song always got... I always got a kick out every time I heard it. Broccoli, broccoli, broccoli. <laughs> And she hated it so much. I I could totally see her hating it. I could see her <laughs> hating it so bad. They like they like finish this song and she gets mad and takes the broccoli and slams it on the ground and walks off the stage. And then they find out their equipment's messed up later. She's like, I didn't break it by throwing the broccoli down. I'm like, no, you you, you couldn't break it by throwing broccoli on the ground. Ah. Uh. Because now I'm remembering a lot of great parts in the show and I, I I actually do love it. So yeah, I love Drop Isle of Fruit Dart. There's so many good points, and I'm and it's all coming in. It's coming into my head now, and that's what sucks. Is like it's it sucks reviewing shows like this because you don't want to reveal all the good parts, but those are the those are the parts that actually you enjoyed about it. So I'm just gonna leave with that and say that I really enjoyed the series. If you're if you're if you're looking for Idol Show plus etchy, not extreme etchy, but pre etchy, um, you want to check it out. So it's like it's like to the panty point of etchy. It's not anything further than that, but it, it is to the to the, the pantsy part. So, uh, Doug is a uh, one that does definitely go further. Doug is Doug is uh, I tried asking while kowtowing, or Doug is a uh, de tano tanon de demita. And this one was streaming on Crunchyroll and for twelve episodes. They're three minutes episodes each. Keep in mind that the Crunchyroll version that they have on their site currently, at the, as the time of recording this, is the censored version of it. The studio is DMM Pictures. The source is a web manga, and the the genres are comedy, etchy, and fantasy. This is a three-minute short. Not much to say here, but the concept is that every episode opens up as almost like a uh, variety show where you have a commentator that's talking over somebody who is the first-person view perspective. And the idea is that they are the, the the narrator and the person that the perspective of are talking about how they are going to possibly get the girl in front of them to show something, either their underwear or their chest. And the way that the first person first person perspective person does it is by begging in kowtowing, where he gets down on all fours and and bows and and begs. So yeah, and it goes through as the episode count would lead you to leave about 12 different girls and how he's possibly going to get them to do such things. Your thoughts. I, I, I absolutely got such a kick out of this show. Um, when I, when I first, it was, it was funny because I was, I was very behind on this show and, um, Andrew had watched it. I did I did a quick catch up for our first impressions and then um I think then when, when we did the first impressions is it something that Andrew had hinted at um I I got a kick out of it and I I texted Andrew the other day when I when I finally fully caught up and I said dude Andrew this is absolutely hilarious and then I I suddenly realized I said you know I realized if such and such was the thing that you remembered as the thing that stood out to you, I realized how much farther I was in comparison to where Andrew was. 
and that's not saying that Andrew didn't didn't know what it, it, it was one of those things that each one of these characters was such a standout in their own re, in their own right that it's hard not to go yeah this is the standout moment no 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 this is a standout moment or or this is a standout moment and my standout moment was very different than Andrew's standout moment from this show and it's it's really really that much of a hilarious show is is each one of these moments is like yeah that was great and some of them are more memorable than other ones i i I fully acknowledge that but there's so many just different standout moments and and i had a lot of fun with this show what was your standout moment in the first four episodes i was at uh the surprise character let's just say that well that's not different than my surprise moment (laughs) Your surprise moments was not different than mine said, because I only watched said, four episodes. No, you had said this librarian because I only watched four episodes. I hadn't. I didn't watch the surprise one. I I'd was wa- at a. I was at like episode seven or eight or something like that. Right. I'm. I'm joking about the fact that you're saying that our mo- our standout moments are different, but they're not different in those first four episodes. That were my impressions. <laughs> but no, I. I definitely. Uh, I embarrassingly have to admit that I really enjoy this show. So I guess it's like those, those, um, guilty pleasure. There you go. Guilty pleasure. Uh, my guilty pleasure of the season, just because I, I wouldn't want anybody to know that I watched this show, but I actually really enjoyed it. Like anybody outside of people that listen to this podcast is like, it's like, <laughs> isn't it great that I can come on a podcast that gets listened to by, 10 to 20,000 people and say, I wouldn't want anybody to know that I really like this show. And I'm literally telling that many people, just not anybody outside of our podcast. But anyways, you guys understand me. People outside of the podcast don't. That's my point. (laughs) If I randomly tell the guy that shows up to check, you know, something on the, on the lot that, you know, I watch this show, he's probably gonna look at me weird. Whereas you guys won't judge me. You guys accept me for who I am. I love you guys. But no, it <laughs> that was the great thing about it. It and it was something that I kind of uh enjoyed when I watched the other show that was similar to this. There's another show where the guy begs uh to see up the skirts. It was uh um the I asked to look see at your me pants. Badly or, or... Yeah, look at <laughs> yeah, look at me in disgust as as you show me your pants or something like that. Um Kind of the same concept. Where technically that one actually, the animation was kind of a lot better. They were trying to go for something that looked good. This one did not look good, in my opinion. A lot of it felt like you were watching a visual novel. A lot of the character animations were very simple. Some of them were very still. Um, but the the thing that made it enjoyable is that every single one of the girls seemed to have had some kind of quirk or goofiness about that process of begging for to see something there was some kind of surprise or there was some goofiness about them. Like I mentioned in the first impressions, there was the librarian girl. The reason that one stood out so much is that you you had her, he tricked her by saying, I couldn't see her chest. And so she kept going They're right here. Can't you see them? But she was doing it the whole while while being very kind of embarrassed and reserved but he was tricking her into going, oh, no, right here. Look, 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 right here. They're right here. What do you mean? They're right here. Um, that was what kind of made it funny. Like the the third one, I think it was the third one, Kanan, who was like, 
acting like she wasn't wearing anything, but there was actually something else to it, which was funny. Or yeah, the, <laughs> the only one that and it's funny because it's like it's all consensual technically, so it, I don't feel bad watching it. It's all consensual because he's begging them to do it and they do it. I mean, they can walk away or whatever. They just choose to do it. Um, there was only one that felt really bad, and that was the gas station girl because it was technically not consensual. It was consensual, but it was like it felt like she was being prostituted, <laughs> or like my dad's having. We're struggling right now. Well, I'll give you this money. I'll, I'll, what was it like? I'll take ninety, ninety containers or something like that. It was like a lot. And she's like, okay, sure, I'll show you something. I'm like, it feels really wrong, but it, oh well, it's funny. Uh, yeah, it was funny because I, I almost he gets his comeuppance. You know he does. So <laughs> technically, yeah. Well, that was that was the other I, kind of funny I, twist was that uh, at some point Chris was mentioning like this is really great or something like that, and like and it, technically it has a new season. I, I forget exactly how it was worded, but I was like, yeah, it's going Sekai or something like that. It's going to Sakai and I, and and when when that moment happened, I was like, "Yep, I see the Sakai," and yes, it happened, and yes, it was like totally worth it. Ah, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think yeah, I think enti- that, that entire really hilarious. That, that entire episode, I was going, "You can't handle the fire, dude. You cannot handle that fire," and it was yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Loved every minute of it. I, I, the, the, I mean, I, the, the, my quote unquote surprise episode, it was even that one. It was like, I, I fully acknowledge what had, had happened there. And it was like, this is absolutely no holds barred. They were not holding nothing back. They, they fully had fun with every single character it, 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 right down to, um uh one of my favorites being uh a kudere and and her just not even caring was, so what you, this is what you want here you go and it was like the 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 narrator doesn't know how to handle a it's kudere the and it's, like... that just, it, it's the it's the wily coyote that just caught the roadrunner like oh, what the hell are we do now that was simple <laughs> they're like they're like check the script did she even read the script i don't know well you're the one that hired her <laughs> Yeah. So it, it it was just there there there's so many little just nuggets of but it, it, in some cases they were poking at the anime industry and in, in some some cases where they were they were playing on the tropes that they use all the time and they were playing with them and they were having fun with them and they were making it into their own thing they were playing with the uh, the the character archetypes and that's one of the main reasons why I'm so excited about going into the isekai version of this is once they get into that that just opens up so many other aspects that they can play with and I, I can't wait to do that yeah I think that'll be fun yeah that's uh, Dogiza I tried asking while kowtowing check that out if that sounds interesting to you and you're a pervert Grand Blue. Grand Blues. Sorry, Grand Blues. Or Gura Buru. This one streamed on Crunchyroll, ran for 12 episodes, done by Studio WTunes Studio and DMM Future Works. The source is a four-comma manga, and the genres are adventure and fantasy. And this essentially is a chibi short 
comedy skit things based on the property of Grand Blues. I'm specifically saying the property of Grand Blue Fantasy, not the series, because this has a lot of characters in it that are not in the anime adaptation. And I think that's probably the biggest warning I want to get out there for a lot of people, is unless you're really into the actual mobile game, you're probably going to miss a lot of the references here, and I technically did. I mean, I I still enjoyed it quite a bit, um, just based on the the humor and voice acting and and the understandable jokes, but I can admit that there's a points where they were obviously referencing like character stuff that I didn't really get because I don't play the game. So I'd want to get that warning out there. Other than that, it was, it was, it was decently enjoyable. Um, I, I will admit that quite a bit of the humor is humor that I don't typically pick up on, or I don't necessarily care about. Like, they have a really weird fascination with um, oddly messing around with their their mascot characters. <laughs> I just really don't get the jokes. So, or the jokes just don't really hit me. Not that I don't get it. It just a, a, doesn't humor me very much. Like super-sized Viren version mecha thing, all that kind of stuff kind of just goes right over my head. But... Um, yeah, it was it was fun enough. It was, it was short enough that I didn't, it didn't really bother me to watch it. And I think if you're a fan, I think it, even if you're a fan of the Rambo Fantasy animation, I think you're not going to waste your time by just checking it out because it, what literally takes you 25 minutes to watch. And you're probably going to find a lot of jokes in there, you know, around Catalina's obsession with Vern and, and you know, Lyria, magical girl transforming with Vern. That kind of stuff is still going to be in there that you're going to enjoy. And there's like, again, there's stuff that even if you don't, you don't need reference to the actual game to get like the, the door that can only be opened by doing, what was it? A hundred wall slams. <laughs> and you had like the two hottest characters. And so they have to do wall slams, but then that other guy shows up with a giant wall on his back and destroys it. So there's still plenty of fun to be had, especially if you're a fan of grand blue. So if you're a fan of grand blue fantasy, either animation or not, I think you'll have a lot of fun watching it. Yeah, I think that that was about where I kind of landed is I I enjoyed some of the character interactions. Other ones I was kind of missing the jokes and and I could only attribute it to I because I hadn't actually played the game. So I missed some of those jokes, but otherwise it it, it was just fine. It, I I I enjoyed myself for the most part. Yeah, I would say, I would say there was probably about two or three skits total that I was like this is obviously referenced, and I do not get it. <laughs> like, they had this whole panel set up at some point, and I'm like, I don't know who these people are. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's Grand Blues. Check that out, if you will. And that's it. It's all the shows that we have for the fall 2021, or 2020. Man, I'm already saying 2021. See, it's already in my head. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this run-through again. We're going to be here shortly going into talking about our deliberations for best of 2020. So some of these shows might end up in that list, but hope you guys look forward to those deliberations as they are always fun to put together. <laughs> but yeah, hope you guys enjoy this run through. If your show was not listed, do not fret. We might end up doing a short podcast review of it later, or I'll do a video recording video review later. Um, but it's time to jump into 2021, and we are excited for more great anime. 
Hope you guys are too. Again, we're at TalkSpirit.com. That's where you can go for all of our anime, new and old, great community forum links, top social media links on the right side, as well as our YouTube channel, Otaku Spirit, where I do video recorded discussions and reviews. So definitely support us there as well. Um, I don't see enough views. I know how many people listen to this podcast. I know there's a lot of people not watching my videos. Please, if you can, if you have time, please go support us over there as well. Help us make this a thing. And as usual, if you want to support us additionally and you have the ability to do do so, I don't want people doing it without the ability to do so. You can support us through Patreon like all of our other supporters have. And we thank them so much for their continued support of our podcast and everything else through Patreon. And uh, we thank you all for listening. We hope you all enjoyed. And you all take care. Os. Oh, and if you are wanting some spoiler discussion of Akadama Drive, make sure to stick around until after the music. So yeah, spoiler discussion on Akadama Drive. So if you have not watched the series, please do not listen beyond this point. You have been warned. So Chris, what did you think of the big Swindler moment of Swindler? <laughs> well, I think it goes... I think we have to mention the fact that I did enjoy... Not, I didn't enjoy it. It's not a good thing, but it was a cool thing to push them to that's like i said where i i liked how the writer didn't overdo things it was just enough to push things to where they needed to go and never overdid it even though it was a massacre where they you know had the basically the the chief appoint anybody that was riding as uh akadama that way they could properly stop the situation and it was all to appease the the Kanto, the big Kanto leaders, and that's what essentially drove it. I again hated it, but it was great at the same time. That girl that like shows up and and shoots one of them because I mean they massacred her parents. It was like a really powerful scene that just broke my heart like severely. But it was all to kind of drive this one point where the swindler had to essentially become martyr. Like, like the moment that that happened, I think it was the moment where 
the girl shows up and shoots the executioner, I was like, are they going to, what is she going to do to kind of twist this? And I think I had an inkling in the back of my head of like, what if they were to martyr her? And sure enough, <laughs> like, and that was like the only like semi cheesy thing is that you have like this, this rubble that looks just like a cross of like, oh, I guess that was a little overdone. So I guess I, I retract my statement. That was like the one point where it was like, it's a little bit on the nose, don't you think? <laughs> I I personally, I, I liked that they kind of pushed this through the entire show of blurring the lines between, okay, what really is an Akadama? Um, and then what really is the... The because Swindler was literally the, um, the everyman falsely accused. Yeah, the, yeah, falsely accused. And so they they dragged that through the entire thing of is an Akudama really the bad guy? And and because at at first when you're first seeing these characters, they're being presented as okay, these are the worst of the worst. And then as as the show goes on, that that line starts to blur very, very lightly. But you go, OK, these guys aren't really that bad, uh, especially when you when you consider uh, courier and ha- hacker and and then you're especially hoodlum or brawler. But you're 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 still on the fence with like doctor because doctor's introduction is like, OK, yeah, yeah doctor, she's doctor she, and cutthroat are definitely uh, worthy of being executed on the spot, no doubt. <laughs> but yeah, technically with courier and hacker, and then you get that line blurred more with hoodlum and swindler not technically being Akadama, but being labeled Akadama because of the situation. It definitely does drive the point of like you guys are playing God, not so much that you're you're executing laws. You're just playing God. You're you're saying this deserves to live and this doesn't, and is essentially is driven to the extreme by the governing groups by saying, "Well, we need to stop this, so just kill everybody." And that's where you it kind of drives home the point of this. You you guys are you guys have way too much power, and that's what gets thrown in their face is. The executioner is like, no, these are Akadama. We should be able to kill these people. They're, we're not doing anything wrong. And it's like, no, she just proved that you're doing something wrong. And she proved you're doing something wrong to the entire public. She just pulled the biggest swindle. Yeah. And, that, and that's and why that, I meant why, why I said, you know, eventually she's going to do a swindle. It's just how is how are they going to execute it? And I think it was nice that it wasn't like, well, just because or – well, she suddenly had a a, a brink of of. Uh, it wasn't that she technically was a swindler in the end. It's just that she she chose to do something that made sense to the current situation, that would stop the situation, and thus become the swindler. And that's what I liked. It wasn't a oh suddenly she becomes super smart and starts you know exacting a huge plan that makes her the swindler. No, she was still just a normal person in the end with compassion and self-sacrifice. And that, and that that was the thing is it, when I when when I was looking at uh Swindler it was like at some point and this is and this is what I was kind of hinting at is the idea of I knew that at some point Swindler was going to switch sides. It it it, it effectively is what she did. She switched sides and chose the Akadama. 
and it was just a matter of how was she going to do that. And I loved the fact that she kept true to herself, and yet at the same time, she chose her side. And that's what I loved about the way that they wrote uh, uh, Swindlers in, in Choice, because even even when she was um, protecting the 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 quote unquote package, um, I I did love the fact that the package at some point uh, pointed out to um, brother the the little brother um, uh, effectively pointing out to the uh, executioners that in when it came down to it they looked like the Akadama to them. And that was that was when you yeah. could, you could truly see that the lines were being blurred all over the place. And that's what I really really loved about this. It's although when I say that the lines were being blurred all over the place, it wasn't that that it was like Andrew was saying that it it was easy to tell who the good guys and who the bad guys were. And that's that's one of those things it's like Yes, the both both of what we're saying is true at the same time. The lines were very black and white, and yet at the same time, the lines were blurred all over the place. Because, yes, the Akadama, you could tell Cutthroat was an evil jerk all the way through. When, yeah, I like that. That was what I meant by the idea they kept true to them. Like, Courier still did his job all the way to the end. It was just at the very end, he... He chose, you know, self-sacrifice, but he still was always doing his job. Cutthroat was true to himself all the way to the end, including the point which he finally said, I have to finally get that halo that I kept seeing. And Doctor is was still <laughs> a psychopath all the way to the end. Brawler always wanted to be a brawler. Hacker always wanted to be hacking, always wanted to go with that one thing. Which it, it like I said, I definitely do give him credit for, and and, it, and it's it. I, I was gonna. I wanted to ask you. Did you were you were you able to see the the age on Doctor in that one scene? They did that so well. When when uh, Hoodlum became a man, and she smiled, and she even a few moments later, she even asked him, "How old do you think I am?" And it, the scene before that, where she was, it, it kind of uh, closed up on her face. And and she and she happened to to uh, she was smiling. I, she didn't say it yet, and I was like, "Dang, she looks old right there." And then a couple seconds later, she she asks Hoodlum, "How how old do you think I am?" or something like that. And I'm like, "You totally played it." I was absolutely impressed that they pulled that off. They did that so well. And that's why I, I, I liked her character, even though I didn't like her character. <laughs> I, I love the idea of she just wanted to. It wasn't again. I, I I think I might have said that she's just a straight psychopath. She she there was more to her in the idea that it wasn't just the fact that you got the sense of her wanting to just control life. I liked how it wasn't. She didn't want to become immortal. That was boring. She just wanted to be able to control when death happens. And her obsession kind of multituded to everybody else. I love the whole the needle through the heart thing and having the the thread of his life on her hand kind of thing. She just loved it. Like that situation, that was what drove her. That's what she wanted, and that was fascinating to me. I, li I like that kind of concept to to kind of make her more than just a psychopath that cannot die because she's a crazy surgeon. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, 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 there was there was so much to this that when it comes down to it, it, it 
even even down to the Kanto was was actually a computer. That was that was kind of a trip. I was like, this is where we're going with this. I I mean, and not that I. But again, it didn't it didn't overblow it. Right. And that's what I mean. It's like they could have totally had the last like because they got to that pretty early. I think it was like level uh, episode 10 or something or eight, nine or 10. And I'm like, they could. I hope this isn't like the rest of the show is is trying to fight to get into the computer and stop everything or go into the go into the computer and pull everybody out. No, it it just like presented it and then it moved on. And that's what I meant by the idea of not overplaying things, not being preachy is something I really like. They just seen that seen that the the package was supposed to be their new capsule basically, removed them and moved on. So how did you like the haircut? <laughs> it sucks that I always think of Chris every time that happens. I don't think it. I didn't look good. I didn't like. I didn't like I how they didn't, cut her hair. I didn't much care for it. I mean, I got got kind of over it after a while. I I I think if you're going to do a haircut, that was actually kind of the most viable reason. It made sense. Yeah, yeah it made I mean, sense. Why? it wasn't. It wasn't. I'm changing my life, therefore I cut my hair. Yeah. <laughs> okay, give me a break. Well, technically, yes, metaphorically, I, I, it was a big change <laughs> in her point. They always have to do that. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah, she definitely walked. Because that was the point when she did her first kill, too. Yeah, that's that I was getting ready to say. She she, she did. That was a, mo- a, a changing moment for her. But it wasn't it wasn't because of that. She did it because it was to hide her identity and that was the most yeah. I, I will give them a little bit of leeway there but that's when she became akadama what are you talking about but yeah it, that that was a that was the other the other part of the you know blurring lines where she was protecting the children and so therefore it was kind of a a viable reason for her to quote unquote become an Akadama, if you want to call her that, because like I said, at that point, the, the lines had started to blur and that was shortly after that, then the riot happened and, and all that started happening. So the lines for Akadama had already started really, really blurring really badly at that point. Yeah. I, I, (laughs) it it sucks because I really liked cutthroat. (laughs) But of course, hate him at the end. But I really did like Cutthroat because, like, it, it it is one of those things where she was always like scared of him, but which makes perfect sense. But it's like, but you have to kind of accept the fact that you now have like the best bodyguard. Because <laughs> if anybody went near Swindler, he's like, no, she's mine, and he freaking goes nuts on him. Yep, he was in a yon daddy. I also, I also like the. Uh... I like the two kids too. I, I liked especially the girl. Like whenever they were with Courier, and he would because his whole catchphrase was that everybody was a craphead. And of course, I'm cho- choosing different words purposely. I don't really want to get M rating on all of our podcasts. But <laughs> every time he would call her a craphead, she would go, she, "She's not a craphead." <laughs> it was really cute. I liked the, their backstory was decent. I, I mean, it wasn't again, it wasn't overblown, but it was it was cool enough it was presented well just this idea of them trying to create a immortal being and all the tests that he had to go through and the sacrifice of many in order to you know gain what he was i thought like i said i thought it was it was enough that made it made make perfect sense so yeah it all kind of just came together really well 
Anything else? I can't think of anything else. Not that I can think oh, of. Oh, I like the coin. I like the, the coin. Actually the coin was the coin. Yeah, the coin was well done. I I really really like, like I, the <laughs> the coin that changes your li- changes lives. I loved that. Right. It, it was it was cool because it had two facets. One, it was the coin that changed everything because they they had that whole segment where it, it, it didn't happen. But um, I like that it would. It was cool that they finally referenced his backstory, and I'm like. Oh, that's right. The coin. That's why he didn't pick it up. Again, simple, not overdone, and it was cool. So, yeah. Anyways, I think that's all. I think that's everything. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this little quick spoiler discussion on Akadama Drive, and we thank you all for listening. Later. Os. に色々今日の好き中の だらけのこの街をすり抜けて今日の調子また確かめ全て自分の差し掛けそれぞれの場所それぞれの花